thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the Creative Little Soul podcast. I'm your host, Chrissy Simonakis, and this week we're talking to one of our most amazing friends, mentors, cheerleaders, and way more, the wonderfully creative and colourful Lauren Nico. Like myself, Lauren's originally from South Australia and now calls Sydney her home too. Despite running in similar circles and knowing a lot of the same people in Adelaide, Lauren and I didn't meet till many years later and we've been friends now for about seven years. Lauren and I have a lot in common and she's without a doubt one of my most trusted mentors, supporters, and like they say, well, the rest is history. In addition to being an awesome human, Lauren is also an incredibly talented musician, vocalist, writer, DJ, and educator, just to name a few of the hats she wears. In this episode, I speak to Lauren about what fills her cup, her amazing UV live shows, and what she's been working on during COVID, plus way more. Like I said, these conversations are completely unscripted and anything goes. And this was a lot of fun, as I'm sure you'll get a feel for. So pop on your slippers or not your laces and get ready for the Creative Little Soul podcast, which starts right now. All right, Lauren, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Pretty cold, man. It's like freezing in Sydney today and I like hate the heat. So for me to be complaining about the cold, it's like got to be. Very true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, uh, this is weird. Oh, life's cold. <laughs> I know. And I'm so adamant of not putting the heater on because I'm like all year AC and want it to be cold. Yeah. So legit beanie, scarves, slippers. Yeah. It's yeah. a vibe. I, I will definitely admit that I've got up boots on as well today. So, you know. <laughs> okay. So it's like I'm pretty sure though, like the second I shaved my head and I always wind up doing it in winter, I'm like, why did I do this in summer? Imagine how much like easier my life would be. But yeah, yeah I think it's here to, I think it's here to stay. Like yeah. I don't think I'm doing hair anymore. Yeah. Um, cool. So what's been going on, man? What's been COVID, the change of the world, no gigging? What have you been doing? Well, for everyone else that doesn't know what you've been doing, but I, I know what you've been doing and I think it's pretty cool. All right. Well, usually um, I'm gigging a lot more um, than what I am right now, um, but instead that focus has turned into how can I still share music with other people and create moments with other people, even though we can't be in the same room. So rather than playing for other people um, or being booked to play for other people, I've been throwing the party at my house and anyone can tune in either via Facebook or Mixcloud. So our house with love um, has had, how many is it? I think it's 15 um, episodes so far. Um, We started quite early during the lockdown. I think it was the last weekend of March. So really only like one week into it, we thought, all right, cool. Let's, uh, let's give it a go. And um, with the power of just a few people sharing, it was amazing the type of reach that it got. Like it was not just within Australia, um, it went to lots of different places. So it was really welcoming um, to know that people are still craving music, even though they're not going out. So, um, but also what I found really amazing is that 
there are lots of people who ordinarily would love to come to my gigs but can't because they live in another state or another country or they're not well enough to come out or they've got kids and those sorts of people could tune in so suddenly yeah. you have this real shift of audience but also end up with this dedicated audience who are tuning in every week rather than yeah following your scattered gigs all over the place. So it was a really big um, shift in how you, not just, um, you know, how it was being broadcast or how you play, but also um, how you communicate with people um, around these kind of events. Because usually at an event, if a friend comes up, you know, they'll go, oh yeah, I love the tune. Um, instead, in this instance, it's your husband yelling from behind the camera in the other room, oh, such and such says hi from here. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of like Chinese whispers or you go back and read all these like messages of love afterwards. And so, you know, that's kind of sweet because, you know, when you are playing in a club, you're in your zone and you might have a couple of moments with people individually or you're feeding back off of that crowd. But actually, when you're doing it online, it's far more explicit what people are saying and what you For sure. Kind of and I think as well, like, especially in Clubland, like, it's so loud and, like, people in various stages of inebriation. So, like, often it's just like, yeah, a nod or no, I'm not playing that song or <laughs> um, have you found you get heaps more song requests or, like, track IDs now back in the history of chat combo? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some moments where people are like, oh, what's the, the track ID? And then, you know, you'll hit play the messages at that point. You'll be like, oh, here's this song. And so, you know, you, yeah. you become Shazam um, <laughs> rather yeah. than uh, their phones. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, I think there would be a lot more track requests. But unfortunately, in, you know, Australia and in internet land, the, the licensing and technology um around streaming pre-recorded music is quite tricky so it's a landscape that hasn't really been figured out um by anyone and there's been calls for lots of different changes across the board but this solution isn't going to happen fast so yeah, unfortunately sure. um most weeks on facebook um i'll get pulled by about 30 40 minutes into a set because either the algorithms have caught up that I've played something that's had a sample that was probably used in a track that was usually signed to Warner Music. They seem yeah. to be um, the one uh, who do most of the takedowns, a few from Universal as well. Um, yep. But, you know, it's really hard as a DJ because you don't plan every set, you know. You, you might have a couple of tunes and go, yeah, I really want to feature these, but, you know, it's where the journey takes you and that's, you know, part yep. of the history, right? And that's why people tune in and rather than just listening to a radio or just yeah. listening to a playlist. So, um, you know, I would love to integrate more people's requests, you know, from, you know, what they're saying whilst the session's going on to actually doing that. But yeah. unfortunately, it's not really possible in the current yeah. Have you found with the licensing stuff, so obviously you are an artist and a singer and producer, uh, writer. Have you found doing any of your own songs has, like, flagged anything? Because I know a few people... Um, who are pretty high profile, you know, they'll be playing their own originals um, that are out there and they've had, you know, their broadcast pulled because they're playing their own damn song. Have you had anything like that happen yet? No, I haven't had anything like that happen to me, although that used to happen to me on SoundCloud all the time. I'd get all of these copyright violations saying you can't have this tune up there, it's signed to Ministry of Sound. And I was like, yeah, my name's literally in the title of the song. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not ripping off someone else's tunes. Oh, okay. And then a month later, it'll pop back up there. So, you know, yeah. we're still in this world of, you know, the the big companies and the platforms are trying to look after the artists, but there's always been this disconnect between can you have a look at the affiliations of the person who's actually doing the broadcasting or actually doing the uploading? There never seems to yeah. be that, that way of checking. Yeah. Um, 
at one of those things that maybe one day they'll get it right. Maybe it'll be an AI solution. I'm not sure, but in the meantime, yeah. it's a bit of a hassle, but you know, yeah. at the same time, I don't have to leave my house. So, you know, different yeah. types of hassles. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll, I'll put some pictures up for people so they can actually see the space and link to some of your videos and live streams. Um, Lauren and I have a love of colour. Um, <laughs> I think that's the best way of explaining it. Yeah. Um, so the space that where Lauren does her recording and anytime like we have a chat and catch up is legit the rainbow. Um, it's super cool and like the UV experience. I find you guys have really done that well. Um, was there a lot behind the scenes like obviously Dan your husband helps out and you know he's the one behind the camera and doing all the different angles. Um, talk to me about the planning that went into the setup for your space um, and how that translated into bringing that experience to people. Yeah, for sure. So um, as, as you mentioned, my lovely partner, Dan, is the video lighting nerd in the house, mm -hmm. uh, which is fantastic. It works out really well for me. I definitely um, help him out with some audio at times as well. Um, so because I've, we put on events together under the brand of Glossy Entertainment, um, we started doing these live streams. And at that point, um, my studio setup was kind of already just sitting in our dining room because we'd recently moved house. Uh, we had this courtyard that was really sitting there not doing anything. And with the beginning of COVID, as soon as you spend two weeks at home not leaving the house, you get a very quick idea of what you would love to do with the space. Now, because we um, recently bought the place that we're in, we had the pleasure of going, cool, let's turn a useless courtyard into a makeshift studio. Yeah. <laughs> so dream it and it will come true. So um, it was took probably a couple of weeks of planning. Um, Dan put his you know, um, basic engineering skills and YouTube videos into building yeah. um, a roof. Um, and structure over the um, the room um, of the internal courtyard. So that took um, a good weekend and also just a few additional weekends of just working out where there was any kind of minor leaks that yeah. needed patching as well. <laughs> so, you All know. the trips to Bunnings. Oh yeah, Bunnings yeah. yeah. All the socially distanced trips to Bunnings. That were, they were very um, interesting. So, so no, was, no snags? No snags at Bunnings? No, anyway. definitely no snags. Yeah. <laughs> no fun. Uh, <laughs> So that, that part took a good weekend, um, but amazingly, we still got to preserve the space a little bit as well. So before it obviously was an open space and letting in lots of light, we opted for a clear roof with a whirly. So we still get the light during the day, but then at night it was able to be a really nice, cool, dark, almost nightclub-y sort of space. So cool. that was the, the structural part of the room. And I'm definitely not gonna take any credit for that part. That was all Dan. Um, it was actually his idea. He's like, oh, we could just paint it rainbow on there. And I'm like, oh my God, can we? It was just like, yes. it's like can we really do this? Oh my God, of course we can. Why, why wouldn't we? So um, yeah. I'm really very fortunate that I have someone who supports my level of crazy rainbow um, yes. living with me in the same house. <laughs> so um, it was one solid weekend of sanding, um, seven hours repainting the wall white and two days of um, having every colour of neon pastel um, with some paintbrushes and covering a whole wall in rainbows yeah. of various descriptions. Um, Yay, we love that. Yeah, um, what was fascinating is that I loved it when it looked pastel and we just put a couple of UV lights on it. And I was, even though I knew that it was going to be UV reactive, I was just absolutely shocked by just how crazy the contrast is. So yeah. I've 
accidentally created two moods in one room, um, just depending on the time or day of the lighting. And so that's um, allowed for a really um, versatile space for live streaming. Um, sometimes you want more of a club environment. Sometimes you want yep. to remind people what it's like to have a nice chilled, relaxing pastel Sunday session with palm trees and that sort of thing. So um, fortunately it's, you know, it's been a really good um, investment of our, of our time um, yeah. Yeah, to turn this space into something that's really functional. And I suppose, you know, obviously you um, are a lecturer and you teach in a creative industry and space as well. So when you're doing like Zoom calls with students and, you know, all of your sessions remotely, which mode are you in? Are you in pastel mode or are you in... <laughs> <laughs> Well, interestingly um, enough, um, this room, pretty much everything is movable or on wheels. So okay. when we do the live stream, the room looks really, really big because of the nice you know, camera lens and the wide yep. angle, but actually it's not a huge space. So usually yep. the decks are pushed over to the side and I can have a chair behind me that's sitting next to this old brick and white door with some vines and trees. So it can look really provincial, almost yeah. like I'm sitting at an Italian cafe outside, just live streaming, like in this, you know, courtyard or patio somewhere. Um, or other times it's the pastel behind me. Yeah. Um, it's interesting if I have had any afternoon classes, like in the middle of winter when it starts to get dark and I don't realise that I've left the UV lights on because you don't really uh, see yeah. them in the day and it just gets like moodier and like <laughs> on as it happens. But, um, you know, it's... Um, anything to make the visual experience or make an experience um, that's virtual more entertaining is, you know, always a plus. Um, yeah. As everyone would know, um, the online at the moment is much as it's a great way to connect. It can be draining as well. We do still crave um, that novelty and that tactile experience. So yeah. any, any variation in sort of color or atmosphere I find is just really good for everyone's health. Yeah, for sure. And I know, like, you know, so obviously with COVID this year, uh, no Vivid. So, you know, we live in Sydney and, and Vivid is literally the city comes alive with like installations and activations. Um, the opera house is lit up. Uh, it's just a spectacle of light and colour. Um, and you were set to have curated a series of events. And then obviously that was all, all gone now too. So was that a large, did this have a big influence on what you were wanting to do at home for that still? Yeah, I mean, it always, um, you know, I was, as with COVID, a lot of everyone's plans just kind of fell apart. Um, you know, June, July, um, oddly enough, is actually one of my busiest times of year, um, which is obviously why they run Vivid. It's the middle, middle of winter. They want people to leave their house. So, you know, it made June great time to get people out. Um, so, yeah, there were many, many plans um, that across multiple venues in terms of event programming, um, putting on um, my UV sound system loved up across various venues, um, you know, pulling in lots of other performance artists, all being body painted, all being neon, all yeah, of that, the whole, the whole circus. Um, and, you know, all of that suddenly disappeared. So, um, you know, usually a time of year that I have a really um, positive creative outlet was gone. So I still had that drive to have that outlet. So, you know, it's amazing what you can try and pull off in your own house. Um, yeah. It's, it's not, the same, um, obviously, <laughs> um, because we couldn't have a whole band of people in here either. Um, and it's a little bit harder to, um, you know, have everyone participating at home. But there were other um, Facebook pages and Facebook groups who were running DIY Vivid events, DIY, oh. DIY Vivid being one of them. And, you know, it was actually really fascinating how 
you know, people still wanted that novelty and that kind of experience, even though they weren't going out for it. So um, I was able to reach um, newer audiences of lots of different ages um, from around Sydney um, by still doing these streams from home. Yeah. So it still reached part of that audience, obviously not the spectacle of audience I was expecting, but, you know, it was still a positive outcome. And I suppose, you know, as an artist and a performer, you know, these are all people that you want to maintain that relationship with and connect with because when you do get back to doing gigs, um, they're the people that will be craving actually having the opportunity to go out and I don't even know what that's going to look like. And, you know, mm. nightclubs are, are pretty much the lowest on the scale when we are talking about things reopening just because nobody respects personal space the venues are quite intimate and small you know the, the airing and all that kind of stuff so these are people that when you're ready to rock you're like they're going to be on the dance floor mm. um, and, and I suppose that's important for you to maintain a, a brand as well and even continue to build that brand whilst you can't physically be meeting people um, you still have to plan for that yeah, and you know, like with anything that you know is a business, you invest a lot of time um, into building something, and when it gets taken away, you know, you can't really just accept that that's it. You know, that's that's a that's a the only failure really is if you stop. Um, and so I didn't see vivid at. Um, vivid COVID, the other vid, um, <laughs> as a reason um, to stop doing what I was doing. Um, I saw it as an opportunity um, to pivot, um, yeah. and I think you know any any kind of business. Um, resilience requires you to not be fixed on one version of an outcome. There has to be yeah. lots of different ways of achieving success. Um, so what's been really fascinating about this time um, is that even though lots of people have known me for neon and rainbows and doing these kind of events, doing the live stream, which is, you know, ultimately, I guess, another product, albeit a gateway or uh, mm -hmm. a free one, um, people have gained an even deeper understanding of my brand, of the atmosphere. And it's really interesting, you know, when you hear people talking about it, they talk about your music or the look, you start hearing the same, the same words and the same descriptors used. And that's when you know you've done the right thing because people are talking yeah. about you in language that you would want to talk about you yeah. or what you're about. So is there anything specific? Like, is there anything that keeps resonating and keeps coming up for what you do? Yeah, so obviously um, colourful is definitely um, the, the main sort of vibe, but also just a general kind of joy or happiness as well, yeah. which is ultimately, even before times have been a little bit more miserable, has always been something that my brand has been about. And I've also, you know, wanted to create any kind of event or music experience that's also quite widely um, accessible. So not everything yeah. has to be a dark dungeon, you know, bottom floor nightclub, you know, there should be events that are open to everybody as well. And so in some ways I've actually lived up to my values more by doing these live streams in, in yeah. this environment. And what's really fascinating um, is that, you know, with everything being increasingly online, I've actually secured two bookings doing live stream gigs from this space and That's I was awesome. chosen or asked about specifically because someone wanted an act that could live stream with lots of color. Wow. <laughs> so, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> yeah. so that was a no, that was a no brainer. The setup's already here. And so yep. amazingly, you know, you've kind of created this, not just a brand, but a venue and an experience that, you know, people aren't going to come to my house physically and experience, but it's already being sought out. Yeah, people are talking about it. And, you know, that's something that's really powerful um, because I think if during any sort of crisis or whenever there's any kind of economic downturn, it's really easy 
to go, oh, we'll just hold our cards close and we'll start marketing when things reopen. And any, yeah. any good, um, you know, business, um, you know, lessons will tell you when things are crap, that's when you do marketing the most. Um, Amen, sister. Yeah, you know this, <laughs> this is your business model. No, but I, need, but I need other people to hear it from other people that are, you know, trusted and in my network and, you know, who... You know, we have a really awesome relationship and it's that friend, it's that support, it's that mentor, um, you know. So sometimes you think something is right or you're going to go with your gut and whatever and you don't have that sounding board. So I think as a creative, I feel like, oh, did I make the right decision? Is this the right thing to do? So like when you finally have those, ah, fuck, yes, like yeah. it just totally reaffirms like, okay, well, this was a good investment and yep. now it is paying off and there'll be more. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I think, um, you know, like that's the interesting thing, like just um, already with a couple of gigs that have been booked inadvertently, that's paid for the renovation of creating this space. So awesome. even though I wasn't necessarily creating this space to make money, I still wanted to continue living my values as an artist. I'm still offering value as both a business and, you know, a creative outlet. And, you know, thankfully that, that has allowed that. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's a, it, the good thing about, you know, having a space like this and doing this sort of thing is that you kind of live by that, that ethos that each time you do something, you try and get at least one part of it 1% better. So, you know, yep. over time, the lighting's got a bit better. The room obviously was created. Um, you know, some of the camera editing's got better. Um, and, you know, you obviously change out your music every week and you keep evolving. Um, we took a break in July just because I needed a holiday after 14 weeks of rocking up every Sunday and, you know, designing yeah. a show and, you know, getting dressed up and all of that kind of thing. So I was well and truly ready for a break. Um, but we've relaunched this month and the whole point of the relaunch was I want it to be more like what my event experiences would be like. And, you know, this again plays into the marketing of my brand and what I'm about before things open up again. So um, yeah. there's multiple guests that I've been having on. The first one I had uh, was Nikki, i.e. DJ Speed Queen. We did um, a back-to-back -back on Sunday. Um, coming up, I have my saxophonist and keys player, um, Gav Zak, who you might have seen him. He busts all around. Yeah, I've seen him. He's, he's awesome. He's amazing. Um, he's coming in for a Sunday sesh type of vibe. Um, and my fellow Disco Bunny, who we had a residency for all of last year um, at Blue Fig Bar, um, is going to be coming in for something a bit funky kind of disco as well. So oh. there's lots of these, you know, little events that are coming in. And I, I really enjoy just having people back in that I can collaborate with again. Particularly and you also, you also <laughs> have um, a special guest who joins you from time to time. He just happens to pop in. Oh yeah, um, Disco Kitty Jasper, who likes to jump on me wherever <laughs> I am. <laughs> so like legit in Lauren's streams, or like sometimes when we're FaceTiming, or sometimes I'll get like missed calls from Lauren or texts. I'm like, hello. She's like, oh my god, it was the cat. She's like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have two adorable cats. Mo's a little bit more chilled. He sometimes comes and joins in, but Jasper's definitely a shoulder cat, and he'll jump straight from the floor to my shoulders and have a mix with me, basically. So you know that adds to the fun <laughs> yeah i reckon it's cool like it shows that it's true to authentic right so yeah. like you know like even when we do these podcasts like we did one a couple of weeks ago and the people we were talking to for in far north queensland so obviously like the internet's like a hamster running on the wheel so it would drop out but then i'm like talking and i'm like are those chickens and like you can legit hear the chickens in the background yeah um 
which, you know, everyone's at home. Um, it's like all those, you know, uh, government officials that'll be, you know, professional from the waist up and then the kid runs in in the background. Yeah. Like, I think, I think it's awesome that, yeah. you know, everyone's just like, okay, this shit's real and we are actually at home and this is what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, we are both from South Australia, which is pretty funny. Um, and we have so many similarities, uh, but we never knew each other in Adelaide. So I always say, oh, my friend Lauren from South Australia or from Adelaide. Um, but we didn't meet until mm. you were in Sydney. So yeah. you've been in Sydney seven years seven now, is that years. right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. I'm 14 for me. Um, so what brought you to Sydney and what you, you know, you spent some time overseas. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, in, what year was it, 2009, um, you know, I was living in Adelaide, I was running my own vocal coaching business and, you know, was having a relative degree of success. Um, it was around this time I started releasing music as well. And I was at, at this crossroads of, well, there's nothing particularly keeping me here and I'm ready to kind of grow and take on new challenges. So my vibe was, well, I could move to Sydney, then move overseas or I can just take a deep dive, go overseas. And when I come back, I know I'll probably want to settle in Sydney anyway. So I always wanted yeah. to have something aspirational to come back to. So I'm like, all right, off we go. Um, so I lived in Bristol in the UK, um, not London, like what most people do. Um, as much as I love my house music, I knew that I also really loved anything that was like breakbeat, drum and bass, trip hop. Yeah. And it was actually that, that I wanted to go and explore because I knew, um, ultimately I wouldn't really have that experience anywhere in Australia. So I just wanted to be around a place that had some really good recent music history um, yeah. and become a part of it. So um, I spent two years over there, um, you know, working, performing, playing, um, you know, a few gigs out in Ibiza, a few in London, you know, a few yeah. other places. And, you know, it was a really good experience. Um, by the time I was ready to come home after two and a half years, I knew um, that I wasn't just going to move to Sydney without having landed a job or just wanting to hope for the best. Um, yeah, yeah, so I wanted a bit of a plan. Um, and as a professional nerd and having only an, you know, a two year break from teaching and or learning since age five, I decided that I needed to go back and do some more learning. <laughs> <laughs> so that sort of structure was really good for me after having a lot of time off. So when I moved back to Adelaide um, at the end of 2012, um, for the first six months of 2013, I was flying fly out every fortnight, um, completing a master's in arts management through the Australian Institute of Music. Wow. So although my plan was always to move to Sydney, um, the studying gave me that base and something to actually be there for not just hey I'm here now what um, yeah. I had two and a half years of hey I'm here now what um, I was ready to kind of um, move on not just from being a self-employed music professional but I really wanted to create some future security for myself I didn't just want to be winging it um, as I had done I really wanted to understand how how business worked um, and really get deep you know, in, invested in my career. So yeah. um, that's why I moved to Sydney. And yeah, that was seven years ago. Wow, <laughs> so, I can't and, believe yeah. it's been that long. Yeah. Um, cool. And then, so you did that. And then, um, so talk to us about the teaching that you do and, and what kinds of things you do to help, um, you know, people if they're up and coming or thinking about starting a business or, you know, dipping their toes in the creative space. Talk to us about that. 
So um, through my studies at the Australian Institute of Music, I had a really great um, lecturer and mentor called John Bell. He's worked um, as a sound engineer and a, a strategist in um, lots of different areas across the entertainment industry. Um, and, you know, I was really fortunate that he took me under his wing um, as someone who worked on the sound side of things. So we had a really good connection. Um, and it was just fortunate that when he was going to go away overseas for a couple of weeks, he's like, oh, do you want to teach a couple of my entrepreneurship younger classes in the undergraduate program? It's all the stuff you've learned. You know how to do all of this. Yeah. Come and do some makeup lessons for me. So after I did a couple of those um, sessions and really, really loved it. Already at the time, I was doing more vocal coaching and band coaching, which is something I had done at that point for over 10 years. So I was ready for the next, next challenge. Um, and even though I was already self-employed, I knew that I didn't want to open up a studio, which is exactly the same position I was in when I left Adelaide. So yeah. I remember I, in that time, I got married, went on a honeymoon to Japan, came home, and was just really frustrated with just, you know, what I was doing. And so I messaged him and said, oh, look, do you have any undergraduate work um, that, you know, that I can talk to someone about, you know, I really want to, you know, do something more. And he's like, oh, I'm too busy to teach my undergrad classes next trimester. Do you want to start teaching them for me? I'm like, all right. And he's like, yeah, cool, we'll start next week. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I started um, in the deep end um, teaching um new venture planning and strategic planning classes. So this was right in the deep end of how you do business modeling, how you come up with, um, you know, strategies for existing businesses. So, um, you know, at, as everyone does, you always feel a bit imposter syndrome. Um, we yeah. know we're going in front of people who are sometimes older than you, um, but on average, most of them were only 10 years younger than me. Okay. Um, so, you know, you walk in and everyone's like, oh, what trimester are you up to? And I'm like, well, I'm your teacher. And they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so you know it was it was quite it was quite funny I, again very different to the what trimester are you up to if you're pregnant um <laughs> yeah 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 um, did you find did you find it was easier or difficult to build a rapport or how did you find that when you know if they think you're meant to be in the classes teaching the class? yeah it's I've always found um it a really interesting dynamic where you know I have a you know, I generally operate with a lot of positivity and a sense of humor. So, um, you know, I find that a lot of people, um, you know, particularly when I was a little bit younger, would find me super relatable. But if I gave them feedback that they didn't like, you know, sometimes they respected it, other times yeah. they didn't. And, you know, I think the fortunate thing about becoming a little bit older um, is that, you know, people can still see my fun side because they see the work that I do in practice and they can see yeah. that I'm committed to my craft and what I'm doing. And they take me seriously for that, that when I give them feedback, it's now respected because yeah, they for see sure. both. I'm out there doing it. I'm de definitely part of my art is that I'm fun and vibrant. And so they can understand that I've had to work to where I've got to and yeah. I've still maintained my sense of humor and my positivity. So it's been a really interesting journey. However, every class is different. Um, so, you know, sometimes you have really young, green, happy people who just want to soak up everything. Sometimes you have really cynical, bored students who, you know, don't really care. Um, yeah. And, you know, you have to tailor whatever your delivery is. Um, you know, it's like your DJ set, it's like changing the tracks for the audience. So you've got to change how you engage. Um, and how you speak and even teach these individuals. Absolutely. Um, and it's all changed again now that it's moved to online delivery as well. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, sure. you know, 
<laughs> have you done so now so you will be going from initially doing face so face to face to now all online learning so like yeah. zoom zoom calls is that how it kind of works yeah okay cool yeah so interestingly enough regardless of what i'm delivering coming back to you know the sort of stuff i've been teaching is that um i make sure that whatever i create whether it's um you know slides or content um, there's very little words on a screen or on a slide, unless it's facts or graphs or something where you want to illustrate a point. Um, to make sure people are paying attention, I usually put really stupid memes between yeah, content changes. Um, you know, there's like moments where, you know, the class breaks have all these funny memes about like cats drinking coffee when it's time to take a break, you know, so you yeah. still kind of picking the memes that are relevant to your students to show that you actually do care and, you know, you are still connected with them on a similar yeah. level. So, you know, I always try and lighten the mood yeah, cool. <laughs> as, as much as humanly possible, but also um, as you would know from doing anything online, as soon as you have too much on a screen, no one's paying attention. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the same, you know, with any website, like if there's shit everywhere, you don't know where to look, right? So yeah. often, you know, the pictures or the images there are selling the mood and then they have to actually tune in or they'll feel like they're going to miss out. So it means they're more engaged. So, yeah. um, you know, again, with online, it's definitely been a bit of a change. Um, but um, coming back to what we were talking about before, um, over the years, um, I've taught a lot of the business units, but where I've really um, enjoyed and kind of made, um, you know, made my speciality is helping people with the art of creativity. Yeah, so cool. lots of students, um, because I teach um, arts management, some of them are creators who want to be self-managed. And that was kind of why I did that, but at a master's level. Um, yeah. Some of them want to manage other creatives. Some of them just like music and don't know where they're going. So they came into this degree. There's various degrees of like people who know exactly what they want to do and other people who have no idea. And that's what's great yeah. about doing a generalist business degree, but focus on the industry you want to work in you usually find your way or you learn really valuable skills that are applied anywhere. Um, but one of the biggest challenges I find, particularly with younger people, is that if they're not an instrumentalist or if they're not a photographer or have something that's arty, they don't see themselves as creative. And oh, man, that breaks my heart. I know. And Everyone's creative. Exactly, right? Yeah. I think your business yes. title, you know, kind of speaks to those values as well. Yeah. So, um, it, it's, it's a really tragic thing when someone is so shy or so nervous that they, they feel they can't make failure part of the creative process or they're too scared to do it wrong or they just like, I don't know what I want to do. And I'm like, well, have you tried? Well, no. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of, with creativity, a lot of it is about being aware of yourself, aware of your impact on the world, working out what methods are good for you, breaking down, um, you know, the essentially the, the bullshit that's in your brain. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so so um, I really enjoy breaking people's conceptions about themselves so they can see themselves differently. Um, yeah. And whether that happens at teaching people how to brainstorm more effectively or how to do um, role playing as a way of problem solving. Or um, one of my favorites is I get them to do um, one of the tasks from the artist's way, um, which is known as morning pages. So I make them. Dude, I'm like, I have in my house, depending on where I am in the yeah. morning, yeah. I actually have three books. So I have one near the bed, one near my computer and one near the couch. Yes, sister, we're the same. <laughs> and 
I actually, because I don't know at which point in the morning, like, because, you know, things change, but I have yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, and I even do the night notes as well. Yeah, cool. Um, just so that when I go to bed, I'm just like, cool, everything is out of my brain. My lists are done for tomorrow. Yeah, see yeah. ya. Yeah. And then do my meditation and stuff. So, yeah. yes, I'm a massive fan of morning pages. Yeah. Are there, are there any other things that you teach them, like ritualistic type things or yeah i mean that's the thing like and i i don't like teaching stuff that i haven't really tried myself like i mean sometimes as a lecturer you get given a unit that you don't feel like you're qualified to teach or not qualified let me rephrase that that you haven't tested out all the methods yourself put it that way um but when it comes to anything that's kind of creativity or business or personal development um, organizational behavior, that's the stuff that I put myself through those paces. So I make sure that I can allow people to work better in other creative environments. So um, I really love getting people, um, you know, as a basic level, it's really good to get people to do the values assessment. So you can go online and look up values tests and you basically pick, you know, like your top 10, you might not have some that fit in there perfectly, but it gives you a pretty good idea of, you know, what degrees of values are important to you. Some of them are more social, some yep. of them are more personal, some of them are, uh, I really need to sort my shit out values, um, yep. wherever it fits along there. And so it kind of gives them a bit of a picture of almost like their Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but based on what's important to them. So like that sort of stuff is always really valuable in the pop psychology area, obviously yeah. um, the kids love them. My, but how much of a reality up. check is it though? Like even you and I, who like are pretty savvy, so we we know like what ours are and what they should be. And then like sometimes you'll just reality check me and be like, "Hey man, you're being you're being way too much of a people pleaser. Like <laughs> you need to go and like do this test again." And then yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh yeah, shit, that yeah. is me." And yeah. all of these things are behaviors that I do. Yeah, and I do need to be made aware of them because. Otherwise, we just keep falling into, like, these terrible behaviours mm. um, that are, you know, like, we have all this self-talk that is telling us and talking us out of things. Um, and I'm pretty impulsive and, you know, take no shit and do the things. But even from times, I'm like, man, why am I defeated? Why am I not doing this? Like, Yeah. Um, yeah, so the quiz that you were talking about um, and has a really amazing book of the same title was called The Four Tendencies. Yes, it's that one. Yeah, so that's one of the newer ones that I've read um, this year. And I really love the framework um, because if you can kind of get a sense of where people fall, it actually allows you to ask better questions or, you know, get people to respond in a way that you want them to. And I don't mean this in a manipulative way. So the four tendencies themselves are the questioner, which is my type. Um, That means that I will live up to my own expectations, but I will definitely question other ones put on me or societal Mm -hmm. ones if I don't feel that they're right or they're just, or if I think they're um, obsolete or if I think there's more efficient way of doing something. So I was the kid who asked way too many questions and (laughs) that person in a meeting who I'll just be like, no, this is shit. Why are we doing? it this way yeah. <laughs> so and everyone else is like can this chick stop asking questions so we can get out of this meeting already yeah, yeah that's totally me <laughs> sorry um so that's kind of where i fit in um then there is the rebels who have won't they struggle to live up to their own expectations and they definitely don't um live up to others so yeah um, with those sorts of people often they're driven but they don't know how to give themselves structure so you have to kind of 
gamify things for them going, oh, I bet you can't do that. All right, I will then. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so, you know, you have students like that. They're often the ones that have to learn how to get out of the way to themselves, but they know they're a bit cheeky. So, you know, they're actually yeah. really fun. Um, you have the upholders and they're the ones who follow things to the rules and also, um, you know, have high expectations of themselves. So these people are really fantastic for getting shit done. But if you change the way they have to do something, they can freak out. Yeah, <laughs> so okay. they really struggle with, these are the ones who will struggle with, okay, we've moved to online learning and you have to do it this way now. But this is not the way that is I done. Feel like I, I feel like I have tendencies of this, man, because like... Yeah. I love structure and I'm a Virgo yeah. and I love everything to just be. And this is why when COVID happened and like, you know, this is why I, like I had the nervous breakdown, which is what it was. And it was because everything was taken out of my control and mm -hmm. I control everything for so many other people. Like, mm -hmm. okay, you're in charge. This is what we're doing. And like, you know, in my mind, because I've been doing it for so many years, like, when it's December, we're talking about Valentine's Day. Like, it's August. We should be talking about our New Year's events and what's mm -hmm. going on. Like, there's just this ingrained structure and, you know, timelines that um, if if I don't talk about it or if we don't uphold to them, like, shit will hit the fan. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I learnt about myself. It was that, okay, well, I'm filling the void because I don't want to deal with my feelings and, you know, I'm creating this, like, loop of busy, um, but, you know, I'm being busy because I don't want to deal with anything else because, and legit, my brain was telling me, if you stop and if you don't uphold to this structure and strategy, you'll die. Mm. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I yeah. couldn't have a day off because yeah. I didn't know how to do nothing, like, to just watch a movie, to read a book, to like just sit on the couch. Um, like my brain was telling me it was the, like catastrophic. It was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but now, like obviously I've worked through that and I'm still working through that. So like on the weekend I was like, I'm not doing anything. Or I have a balance of, okay, I'm still going to make a list, but I'm putting self-care things for myself on mm. the list versus – Oh, being you know at the ready to respond to things and yeah. what's the last one what's the obliger so that's where you fit in that's, that's where you really want to live up to the expectations people you know you want to please other people or do the best for other people but often at your own detriment where you put you last which is pretty much what you've just described <laughs> for sure no 100 percent um and when you said that i was like oh my god this is so me but i have to change it and you know yeah at least to realize i love the love languages um yeah. And I make everyone do them. And yeah. my, my, so even my staff, I'm like, go and do this test. Like whenever yeah. anyone starts working with me, yeah. I'm like, now do it of your partner. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because, well, they know I do this. So it's, it's not like I'm giving away any like secrets. Yeah. Um, but it actually makes me know how to, um, to manage them, to guide them, to lead them, but also to, um, you know, if something like if they're sad or if they're happy or whatever, like I know, like I have some stuff um, that really value quality time. Yeah. Um, so I really have to make an effort. And like my brother's quality time too, pretty much everyone in my family's quality time. Yeah. And my, my least love language is quality time. Yeah. So <laughs> like everyone says to me like, oh my God, how are you doing at the moment? Like staying at home and not going anywhere. I'm like, I'm living my best life, man. Like, <laughs> this is good. I didn't have, I saw you like for the yeah. first time since January briefly, but I'm like, yeah. 
yeah, I'm good with this. I order in, my groceries come home. Yeah. I do all my calls remotely. This is why I set up my business. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that, so you do a lot of Zoom stuff as well, Lauren. Like, mm-hmm. do you find you get fatigued? Like, you're just over it? Like, it's just a lot? Yeah. I mean, I'm quite interesting in that, you know, if you look at any kind of um, legitimate personality test, like the big five, I always score like 97th percentile on extroversion. Like I'm like, woohoo, out there. But what's really fascinating is that with this time um, moving online, I don't feel like I'm alone where a lot of people do. Um, And I think I've been kind of uniquely prepared for this because when I was um, younger and growing up, Um, For a while, I lived 700 kilometres away from my family in a country town. Um, So everything was on the phone and that was it. Um, You know, when I was younger, I had a lot of friends who lived overseas. This is like ICQ days and not even MSN, like before Uh that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I had a lot of relationships that I established online. Um, I've lived overseas and had to maintain friendships, um, you know, in verbal or on video chat. So this time for me... I know how to communicate with people or get what I need, um, you know, socially in a virtual setting. So thankfully for me, I don't feel alone. My extroversion box is ticked. Like I definitely have enough, um, you know, quality time, even online is fine for me. Um, That said, when you're trying to address a group of people online, the extra you got to put in to maintaining the energy of a session, that's exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's because if you, you know, it depends on whether they bother to get dressed that day, um, whether they're, they're comfy, whether, you know, they like the subject matter, um, you know, it, what's the worst is when no one has their cameras on and you're just kind oh. of like talking to black screens. And I made a point really early on to say, for your mental health as much as mine, even if you look like crap, I don't care. Like wear a hoodie. Yeah. I don't even care if you're in bed with no pants on, but just like sure. put your camera on. So you have a sense that everyone else is in it there with you. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's hard to encourage that behavior because um, people don't want to be seen. But it's really interesting because I've had students who have rebelled against other students getting shitted off when they don't have their camera on because even they find it tiring. And then they come to me going, oh, now I understand why you want your camera on. Like, it's just like, I but can't can just talk so to no one. Yeah, but you can see like facial cues, body language. You can see if they're starting to drift off and get bored. So you know where to bring stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I see the massive benefit. Like, I haven't seen my nieces since like in almost a year, right? Mm-hmm. But like the big thing is like at least three times a week we we FaceTime or we talk and whatever. And so when I see them, it's like in person, however long that is. And even in the past, we've, we've maintained this relationship and we write letters and we do all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So the minute I walk in, they're just like, oh, hey, Chrissy. Like, yeah. you know, we, we have that sense of connectivity. Um Mind you, they hate my singing. One of them does. So <laughs> she's like, I hate your singing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well. <laughs> uh, I'm like, what? I like take take to heart. I'm like singing Frozen. Chrissy, I hate your singing. I'm like, oh. Well, she's like terrible twos. Um, so what do you think the future of, um, so obviously in, in Sydney, we're used to staying home, right? Because we've got the luck. That's what everyone, like all the Melbourne people like. Yeah struggling and it's terrible down there and I speak to my staff and I feel for them like it's a real shit show um and you know like a couple of my DJ mates and stuff are like 
oh, you know, you guys are so used to staying at home because you had the lockout. I'm like, yes, we did. And that is true. Um, what do you see the future of the nightlife in Sydney being? Like, or what would you like it to be? Oh, gosh. I mean... If you're in charge, Lauren, what would oh, you do? God, so that, that's a big question. Um, I, you know, I think this is partly what I would like it to be and partly where I think it's going anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I think that spaces and hubs are going to have to be open for more flexible hours. We've already seen that there are going to be people who want to experience things, but not at peak times because of health and safety, because yep. of far more flexible working arrangements. Um, you know, as we go into a future, people are probably going to be, um, you know, more cautious around their health and crowds. So I think what we're going to see is longer windows of opening hours, which as Australia, as a nation, we suck at having long opening yeah, hours. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you've lived in Europe or um, the US, both places I've spent a lot of time in, everything's always open unless you're in a country town somewhere. So it's yeah. just kind of, you know, I think that kind of conservative nine to five retail and, you know, pubs, every pub closing at midnight, that's going to have to change to accommodate for different yeah. cycles of people. And I think that's something that um, coming out of this, we're going to still probably have some limitations, but longer windows of time. Um, yeah. But I also think, um, and this is something that, you know, I've been quite passionate about is that I don't really, how can I frame this? I don't think music should be so centralized around the sales of alcohol to be a uh, sustainable business model. Yeah. Well, you do that wicked event in the morning. Hey, what was that? Oh, Daybreaker. Yeah. yeah. Was there booze of that? No. No, no, that's like sober as, but just like, you know, you can come there, you can do like an early morning um, yoga session and meditation, and then it turns into a great dance party. And this is a movement that's um, started in, I believe it's in New York, and it's spread to other cities around the world. So, yeah. you know, not everything needs alcohol to survive, um, but, you know, I think with retail space having to change, hospitality space having to change, what the rents are going to be like on these places. You know, I think there's really some room to kind of think about how can we make viable events or event experiences without the reliance on the traditional model of four walls and alcohol. Um, so yeah. what that's going to look like in the future, you know, I think there's, there's definitely always going to be a market for people wanting to let their hair down, have some drinks and have a dance. But I, I think given people have really missed um, music and connecting with people, I think people might be more open to other kinds of experiences as well. So yeah, yeah it'd be interesting to see um, what promoters and artists and also venues are willing to look at how they do things a bit differently. Well, I think, I think, but, uh, but I think that falls back onto, well, we're not creative. So, you know, or people are scared to, um, actually put something forward in fear that they'll be persecuted because it sounds too crazy or wild. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's really funny. Like whenever we work, in, whenever like my team and I walk into a venue, like I guarantee you, I am the most coloured, like brightest dressed person in the room. And like people eat it up, man, because we're creative. So if we do yeah. stuff with corporates, like they're like, oh, the creative people here, like colour, like Absolutely. <laughs> tattoos and all that kind of crap. Um, but I think as well, like often when we are around people and they start to get to know us, they're like, oh my God, I want to run. Like, so they start to ease in and they start to get a little bit looser with their like 
ideas and they're comfortable to throw stuff out. I'm, like anytime someone starts a sentence with, oh my God. So I'm thinking of this crazy wild idea. I'm like, oh my God, they're legit my favorite. Yeah. Throw it at me. Like keep yeah. thinking, keep being wild. Like, yeah. because that's where all the crazy, awesome stuff comes from. Like, Absolutely. And the science around anything to do with creativity is that the more ideas that you come up with, um, the greater the volume, the better the ideas you're going to have. So, you know, it's kind of like, if you have a look at someone like Beethoven, who wrote like, you know, something like 400 pieces of music in his life, right? Mm. And it's because he wrote 400 that there, you know, we're about 10 or 15 that were absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. So we actually get better at not just idea generation, but creating things by doing things rep repetitively. You know, there might be some shit ideas in there and that, that goes with the territory. 100%. The more you are willing to throw ideas out there and see how they evolve by collaborating with other people, that's actually where things get exciting. Yeah, 100%. I love it. And I, and I think, like, you know, my writing, like, I've got early pieces of my writing that I still keep. Um, and I think my grandma had kept them, like, from paper cuttings and stuff like that. And I go back and I look at it to remind myself of where I started. And it was pretty mm. shit now looking at yeah. it. And, like, I cringe, right? And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, how did, I, how did anyone let me publish this or whatever? And then, you know, we evolve. Hey, buddy. <laughs> um, catch has come. Um, it's Mo, though. He's hungry. <laughs> hey, mate. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, we keep getting better. And sometimes my staff will go, I've hit a wall. And I'm like, cool, palm it off. And then that's where someone else will jump in. And, you know, not one person works on a project in our team. It's a collaborative because someone will prove, someone will research, someone will piece it together. And then, you know, that's what goes to the client. It's not my mm -hmm. business. It's our business. You mm -hmm. know, We're not one without the other. Yeah. So what are you keen to do? Parties, house parties? What's in the plans for you? Well, um, I'm definitely keen to do as many gigs as possible. <laughs> this is Look, Lauren, <laughs> I'll put that details. Lauren and I, Lauren and I actually pimp each other out. So um, there'll be like a post, and it's like looking for writing. Lauren will tag me, and then like looking for vocalists, and I'll tag Lauren. Like it's this really <laughs> nice synergy. So go, girlfriend. What are you available for? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, for anyone who wants to do anything corporate and um, but has to do it socially distanced, I can do socially distanced entertainment um, live stream to wherever you are. So that is something that I've been offering um, that's had a little bit of traction, which is great. Um, awesome. So, uh, you know, it's, if someone's looking to pick up their staff and make them feel good um, or if you have uh, awards or, you know, any kind of you know, bringing any clients into your space, it can be a way just to pick that up even yep. on Zoom. Um, otherwise, there's something awesome that we've both been collaborating on. We have. Um, which is the Win the Ultimate House Party competition. It is pretty cool. So Lauren and I were like, what can we do? And how can we reach people? And how can we spread the rainbow love colours to the people? Um, so currently we're running a collaborative comp and it's for anyone in Sydney at this stage, but there'll be plans to uh, pick it up in other regions and areas. And it's to win the ultimate house party where Lauren will come to your home um, and perform. And what does that performance look like, Lauren? Okay, so um, as part of Glossy Entertainment, it will be me as a DJ and uh, possibly some other 
roving entertainers uh, okay. for this experience. Um, but what's really fantastic is that you won't even have to provide anything else other than the invites. So um, Chrissy has been working with some awesome brands um, that she's getting to pimp out during this competition as well. Yeah, for sure. So what we wanted to do was actually I'm massive on partnerships and joint ventures. And I think now more than ever, like if you can bring people into the fold that you work with um, to collaborate, it's a great way to get their name out there and just, you know, unite and do something cool. So we're partnering with Bev, food experience, some giveaways. Um, I'll pop a link to how you can enter. Um, and the entry question is super cool. And it's, what's the song you want to hear? the first uh, track that drops uh, when you're with your mates. So, and there's some pretty cool ones. Like, I think the people that have entered have pretty good music taste because yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I wouldn't mind that either. So yeah. <laughs> amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. I always love talking to you um, and we talk all the time, but it's awesome that now everyone that listens and that I know um, get to know a bit more about you other than me just saying my friend Lauren Nico yeah um, <laughs> I'm like my friend Lauren they're like, yeah. Who? I'm like the one blah 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 so thank you so much um, it's been awesome thank you pleasure uh... Thanks for sticking with us and listening to this episode of our podcast. If you enjoyed it, then we'd love it if you could give it a like, share it with your crew and subscribe so you won't miss another episode. We're on all the places online, so be sure to give us a like, follow or drop us a comment and let us know what you think. Be sure to tune in next time over some pretty awesome people lined up to chat with. Until then, thanks for stopping by and supporting the Creative Little Soul podcast. <laughs>